Chapter 5 of the Story of My Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Kennedy. The Story of My Life and Work by Booker T. Washington. Chapter 5 The Beginning of the Work at Tuskegee. Before starting for Tuskegee I found it almost impossible to find the town on any map, and had difficulty in learning its exact location. I reached Tuskegee about the middle of June 1881. I found it to be a town of some 2,000 inhabitants, about half of whom were Negroes, and located in what is commonly called the Black Belt, that is, the section of the South where the Negro race largely outnumbers the white population. The county in which Tuskegee is located is named Macon. Of Tuskegee and Macon County, I prefer to quote the words of Major W. W. Screws, the editor of the Montgomery, Alabama Daily Advertiser, who visited Tuskegee in 1898, 17 years after the Tuskegee Institute was founded. Major Screws says, Just at this time there is probably no place in the United States of similar size so well known to the people of the country as this lovely little city. It has always possessed merits which brought it conspicuously before Alabamians, for in every locality in this and many southern states are noble men and women who received their educational training here. Thomas S. Woodward was one of the earliest white settlers in Macon County, and was one of the commissioners appointed to lay off the site for the courthouse. He built the first house in the new town, which they called Tuskegee, a corruption of the old Indian name Tuskegee, which is said by Dr. Gatchet to be a contraction Tuskegee, warriors. The old Indian town stood in the fork of the cross and was the home, part of the time, of the famous half-breed statesman Alexander McGillivray. The name passed in its present form to the county seat of the new county. Tuskegee was settled by men who were well-to-do in a material point of view. They owned rich lands on the creeks and streams and in the prairie section of the county. This point is on a high, dry ridge, and from time immemorial has been noted for its healthfulness. Here came those who wished to build homes for their families, to have congenial company, and to give their children educational advantages. They did not desire the projectors of the Montgomery and West Point Railroad to put the town on its route because of the interruption it was feared would be occasioned to the schools. From the very beginning of its existence, education has been the main feature of Tuskegee, and through its school and colleges a population gathered here which has never been excelled in point of refinement, politeness, and all the genteel amenities which tend to make life comfortable. The town of Tuskegee was first settled about 1830. James Dent built the first house. The town was first laid out in 1833. Mr. G. W. Campbell came to the county with his father from Montgomery in 1835, and at that time perhaps 150 people were in and about what now comprises Tuskegee's territorial limits. There was no courthouse building, and court sessions were held in a small log house with a dirt floor. When court was not in session, the building was used as a schoolhouse. The Creek Indians were in great numbers in the neighborhood, 
but they were friendly and peaceful and in eighteen thirty six commenced to move to their far western home going overland to montgomery where they took steamer for new orleans tuskegee is one of the model towns in the way of good order among the white settlers here are dr w j gautier and messrs g w campbell j w bilbro j o a adams and w h wright they have a perfect wealth of interesting reminiscence connected with the early days of all east alabama although they have passed the threescore years they are hale healthy men engaged in business and set a splendid example of energy and active life to the younger generation the firm of campbell and wright have been in existence possibly longer than any other in alabama the montgomery and west point railroad is about five miles distant from tuskegee the nearest station being Chihaw. From there to Tuskegee, until about twenty years ago, the usual mode of conveyance for passengers and baggage was stagecoach and omnibus, while all goods were transported by wagon. It was a tiresome, troublesome, and expensive method. This difficulty had been overcome through the Tuskegee Railroad, which now connects the two points. The population of Macon County before 1860 was largely heavy-landed proprietors. They suffered immensely by the results of the war from disorganized labor, and reverses stripped them of much of their property. The county is almost exclusively agricultural, and the average yield year by year of corn, cotton, peas, potatoes, and other things grown on well-regulated farm is fairly good. When I reached Tuskegee, I found that Mr. Lewis Adams, a colored man of great intelligence and thrift, who was born a slave near Tuskegee, had first started the movement to have some kind of normal school in Tuskegee for the education of colored youth. At the time he conceived this idea, Honorable W. F. Foster and Honorable A. L. Brooks, both white Democrats, were members of the Alabama legislature, and Mr. Adams so interested them in the movement that they promised to use their influence in the legislature to secure an annual appropriation of $2,000 towards the expenses of a normal school, provided one could be properly organized and started. Mr. Foster and Mr. Brooks were successful in their efforts to secure the appropriation, which was limited in its use to helping to pay teachers. A board of three commissioners was appointed to control the expenditure of this $2,000. When the school was first started, this board consisted of Mr. G. O. W. Campbell, Mr. M. B. Swanson, and Mr. Lewis Adams. After the death of Mr. Swanson, Mr. C. W. Hare was elected in his stead. When I reached Tuskegee, the only thing that had been done toward the starting of a school was the securing of the $2,000. There was no land, building, or apparatus. I opened the school, however, on the 4th of July, 1881, in an old church and a little shanty that was almost ready to fall down from decay. On the first day there was an attendance of thirty students, mainly those who had been engaged in teaching in the public schools of that vicinity. But these little buildings, inadequate as they were, were most gladly furnished by the colored people, who from the first day that I went to Tuskegee to the present time have done everything within their power to further the interest of the school. One curious thing that happened in connection with the students was, as additional pupils began to come in, that some of them had been attending school taught by some of those who came to the Tuskegee school, and in several cases it happened that former pupils entered higher classes than their former teachers. 
End of chapter 5